Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Tanner. If this is your first time here, welcome. If not, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate everyone listening. This week, we are pleased to welcome someone who most of you have probably seen on TV many, many times, and that is Mr. David Blanton, the executive producer for Realtree Outdoors. As you may know, we've been fortunate enough to have a few guests on that have been associated with Realtree, and we're super honored to have such a great relationship with a respected company like Realtree. First, we introduced David and how we got connected with him at our store. Then we discussed his upbringing and humble start to working with Realtree. Then we discussed the progression of the content, some challenges that they face, and the people that they've worked with, and the growth that they made over the last 30 plus years. Finally, we get into some of David's most memorable hunts, discuss some of his favorite critters to chase, and how excited he is to hunt whitetails right here in Southern Ohio this year. A little pre-show disclosure, we did have a few connection issues during the call, but we were still able to have a great conversation. With that said, please welcome Mr. David Blanton. It's official now. The, the executive producer here, he knows all about the, the marker clap, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've well, done a few of yeah. You've done a few of them. You've done a few of them. Well, uh, like I mentioned in the intro, we have a super special guest with us today, yeah. um, Mr. David Blanton from Realtree. Sir, it's uh, it's quite the honor to to talk to you now. I mean, I know we ran into each other there a little while ago at the store, but it's uh, it's really an honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you guys this morning. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we've uh, we've kind of made our rounds with the Realtree crew. I mean, mm-hmm. we're getting there. We've had yeah. Waddell and then T-Bone and now you. I, you know, we saved... The, the what's that the third one for the best or third time's the best or whatever that saying yeah. is well, but. no i'd say you probably have already had the best yeah now we're just scraping up the, the leftovers no. scraping up the leftovers <laughs> no but you guys have been able to put us in contact with a lot of people and i truly appreciate it i know cole um shout out to him as well he's been really helpful in trying to build those uh, connections for me and you know i look forward to some of the guests that we have on coming here in the future you know um you know i gotta say rusty creasy um, oh, great. Dr. Ducks, you know, a lot of those guys were, you know, Lee and, and the guys from Seek One, we're looking forward to getting some of those guys on. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm super fortunate to have this, uh, this relationship for him. So shout out Cole, man, if you're listening, we really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I just continue to look forward to it. So before we get in, uh, into the conversation, I did want to congratulate you. I know we mentioned before we recorded, you, you got a new grandson there. I'm sure you guys are just tickled to, to have him. And so, um, you know, as a father myself, congratulations on that. I'm sure well, grand, his grandkids are spoiled. Whit, Whit Blanton was born to my middle son, Alex, about five days ago. And it's my fourth grandchild. I have two granddaughters now and two grandsons. So it's, it's just wonderful. It's probably grandpa is probably the best title you have, right? Yep, a- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, but like I mentioned, we uh, you came into the store. Uh, were you guys up here just for like a retail tour, or what? What were you? We were calling on uh, large retailers in y'all's part of the world, and obviously y'all stand alone. I mean, y'all have an amazing store, and everyone at Realtree, we appreciate the support that y'all show us year as well but we just want to come by and say hello to you guys and just tell you how much we appreciate the business yeah it was awesome i um it was complete chance that i was even in there so our location is actually separate from that store where we are right now and uh, we're about uh five or ten minutes south of, of the store and uh i was happening just to be in there to take pictures of boats that we sell so we sell pontoons and things and uh 
I, as always, I always got to walk by and see my archery and my hunting guys. And then this guy turns around and I'm like, I know him. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> well, he comes uh, back and he's like, I just met David Blanton. I'm like, what? Yeah. That's fabulous. Though. Yeah. And I will say too, we had a little discussion there. We got, you know, I'm a football guy. I know you're a sports guy too. By the time that this airs, Ohio State's already gotten their first victory. I'm on knock on wood. Go, we don't go watch, box, baby. We, we, we don't watch football in the South. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, cause you, it's because all you guys are doing is hunting them little tiny deer. You got to come up north uh, to the Midwest and hunt these great big ones, right? That's right. Now, we're huge football fans, and we're pretty proud of our Georgia Bulldogs. Obviously, boy, y'all had us on the ropes there in the, in the semifinals. I can tell you yeah, that. Yeah, sure did. Sure did. I still don't even know how we came back and won that game, to be honest with you. I, I'm still thinking about it myself here. And, you know, we have uh, quite a bit of relationship with some of the guys on Ohio State uh, just from our proximity to the campus and some of them being in, involved in the outdoors and, and being on our team. And we've helped out quite a bit. But uh, I'll tell you, man, that uh, it was still targeting. It was still targeting. <laughs> so, so uh, question, when, when, when y'all lined up for the – field goal there at the end of the game yeah did you in all sincerity did you feel like he was going to make it or miss it i i i know up all right so i know ben probably doesn't know too much of it he doesn't dive into i don't really watch football i'm the guy that watches football in the tree stand okay Okay, me too. Um, me too but he was so consistent all year long that uh i uh because you know he came from north carolina noah did ruggles i believe is his name and uh yeah, no, I you figured it was going to be close. You obviously, you know, cross your fingers. I I think we could have probably gotten the ball a little bit closer than what we did, but um, you know, hindsight's 2020 20 on that, but no, I didn't I kind of thought it was going to be tight, but I figured he would at least make it. It was like what 40 40 yards or something like that. No, I I certainly couldn't kick that far, so yeah. I yeah. Uh, But no, I didn't believe it was going to be that bad. It was uh it was that was pure just pressure. I mean, as soon as it left its foot, it he was he was done. So for sure. But for no, sure. that would have been sweet beating those Georgia Bulldogs right there in Atlanta, man. I couldn't have thought of anything better for sure. So well, what <laughs> beat Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. We don't let's just not talk about yeah, that. We one, don't. Okay? <laughs> I, now I'm thirty five. I lived through the nineties, you know, where we uh we never beat them at all, ever. And so I, I think a lot of people have been spoiled here in the last twenty years to to have the record that we have. But uh yeah, I know those guys, you know, we um, like I said, we have some relationships with some current and former players, and I know for a fact those guys don't want anything more than to beat that team up north for sure. So, yeah, you know, it, we're getting there. The, the, the best part is it's September. We're talking about football. We're talking about whitetail hunting. People are out right now hunting antelope in Wyoming and other states and Nevada and stuff. We are we're officially in the hunting season right now. You know, uh, uh, early – Early, Getting all of our prep work done. All of yeah. our prep work. Early geese starts yeah. here in Ohio. What and uh, by the time this is recorded, we've already. By the time this airs, it's already started. Early geese and teal and and um, dove season. And so we're uh, we're in it, man. We're I'm excited. Yeah, we're ready too. We leave uh, August the 29th. I leave for Wyoming to to Black Hills to hunt Seven J Outfitters. I believe it'll be our 28th year of hunting whitetails with them out there. Nice. I love uh, it. We've we've watched their children have children, and so they're like family to us. And going back there is always just a treat to go and see them and Jeff and Deb Smith and their family and the guides. And so we're real excited about that. 
Now, I remember, uh, this has been several years ago, you had a lot less gray hair when this one came out, but obviously I grew up watching the videos, uh, you know, Monster Bucks and all the others, um, between you and, and Waddy and all those guys. There was a video, there was a nice, I want to say he was an 8 or 10 point, you may recall, uh, he was jumping a fence, and it was it was in a it was in an environment similar to what you would find in Wyoming, jumping a barbed wire fence. I think you had a rifle, and uh, you had you had uh, writing on your hat. Do you remember that? Do you recall that? There was like, um, oh goodness, I think it would have been season eight or something like that. There was some like um, signatures or something on the on the bill of your hat. I just watched it again this morning before we had you on. Oh, yes, yes, it was a muzzle loader, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you were sitting in a ladder stand, a ladder stand, and nice deer. Nice deer. Yeah. You couldn't have asked for a better. We've had some fabulous hunts out there. So, obviously, it's an early season archery hunt. Mm -hmm. This Mostly what we do out there is, and, uh, and you know, hunting whitetails across the country, that early season is, is uh, oftentimes, not, not all the time, and probably not as much as it used to be, it can be overlooked as one of the best times to kill a, a big mature whitetail. Oh, for sure. Uh, but you got to play your cards right that early season. You, when you're scouting, you can't move in close and you can't bump them and you need to do your scouting from afar through spotting scopes or binoculars. And because and, they're on that late summer feeding pattern, those bachelor groups of bucks. And if you can keep the area from becoming contaminated, whether you're scouting or going in to hang a set, keeping the wind in your favor, it can be really, really good early for about a week. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree for sure. I, I actually, Noah Barnett, uh, one of the gentlemen that used to be on our pro staff team, uh, we had some restructuring stuff there, but he uh, he shot, I think he was like 170, I want to say 175, 178, somewhere in there. But opening day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, his target buck the very first night. And so you can definitely, I mean, that's that's a rare occasion, but you can definitely make it happen for sure. Well, I so I drew Iowa archer tag this, this fall. And, of course, you know, that takes, now it takes about five years to draw archery as a non-resident. So I drew for this fall and uh, – the, the people I'm going to go hunt with, I met through some friends of mine in South Georgia is a small cattle rancher that they don't take a lot of hunters, but they've never hunted that early October. And so when I was talking to him, I asked him, I said, would it be possible for me to come out and hunt the first several days of October? And he says, well, let me think about it because we're still pretty busy with our farming and ranching and haying and all that stuff. I said, well, just think about it. He calls me back and says, you know what? That'll be fine, but you may have to kind of be on your own, but we're you're more than welcome to come hunt then. So I'm, I'm really excited about hunting Iowa October 1st if, and this is a big if, if we don't have warmer than normal temperatures. That's the one thing that I'm keeping my eye on. If the temperatures are normal or even better, slightly below average, it can be fabulous hunting, as you know. But uh, so I'm really excited about hunting Iowa early. Oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for sure. That would be a ticket. That would be the ticket for sure. But we we kind of segued there a little bit before we get too far. David Blanton, a man probably doesn't need too much inter introduction. But for those of the listeners that are out there that may not know Real Tree and the brand and yourself. 
Let's go ahead and introduce yourself. We'll take take me back all the way. I believe you were born in what Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what no, I heard. South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay. Okay. So I I, I met, met, must have misread there. that. But uh, go ahead and let's take us back to you know the early earlier years and then into what you what you got going on today and and obviously the last couple of decades with Realtree. Well, so I was born in South Carolina and uh, I did not grow up hunting because nobody hunted where I was born and nobody in my family hunted because we simply were a sports family. We played basketball, baseball, football. Uh, when my dad got transferred to South Georgia when I was 14, uh, of course, we moved down to an area where hunting is a way of life. Everybody, our exposure to hunting, that was where we got bitten by the hunting bug. And we just, my dad, my brother and I, we just all started bow hunting with our new friends down there. And uh, so that was my introduction to hunting. Uh, so I didn't grow up hunting, but it was kind of cool to learn how to bow hunt with my dad and my brother. We're all kind of learning together. And so it was really, really cool. And um, and all we did was bow hunt there in the, in the early years. And Shoot, I think I bow hunted six years before I finally shot a deer. I had missed a few. Um, so it, just growing up and learning that way made it really special when you started, things started clicking, you know, and you started trying to figure it out a little bit. And uh, it just made it even that more special for all of us. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, Ben and I are kind of in the same boat too, where we both, you know, I, I, I was very heavily involved. I grew up in the city. Baseball, basketball, football were, were my, my main things, you know. Um, got in the cars for a little bit in my 20s. And, and uh, you know, I, it probably wasn't until 16, 2016, I really took hunting seriously and um, you know, learning it yourself and trying to build those relationships with people out there. You know you know how it is with whitetailers, man. They, they kind of they get on the spot. There's only a very few people that want to – teach and show and bring you along you know a lot of guys want to keep things secret and want to keep especially around here they you know they want to keep things secret they want to kind of put a hold on who hunts and how they hunt and 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 that stuff here in, in ohio and so it took a while of public land and trying to figure out different being creative and trying to find different places to hunt and and i think we're finally kind of catching our stride now you know i'm in my mid-30s and with two kids so i can only do so much but you know catching our stride in time in terms of mm -hmm what to look for, you know, yeah. not just going, picking a tree that looks good and sitting there, but finding a reason to be there, you know, it's, yeah. it, 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 so it is, it is yeah. fun to learn at an older age because I feel like you appreciate it a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's so you were hunting, uh, what, what age was this when you were starting to learn and you guys moved to Georgia? 14. 14. Okay. So 14. Your, your teenage years. Now, did you go off to college or anything like that? How did you get into being like the executive producer on the video side and, and all that for, for Realtree? No, so, I, so I, I played basketball in college for two years. And then uh, after that, I transferred to the University of Georgia and go Bulldogs, by the way, <laughs> uh, to finish my degree. Well, while I was in school up there, I interviewed for a job at a nearby hunting plantation uh, just they needed seasonal help during the fall and I got the job and uh, I was just, you know, I did whatever I needed done, you know, from cleaning out the dog kennels because it was a big quail operation, a deer hunting operation, a dove operation. 
from cleaning out the kennels to plowing food plots to cutting the grass around the lodge, whatever it took. That's what I did, and I loved it. Well, I went back to school during the during the uh, off season. When I came back the following year, I was uh, offered the. Uh, I got a promotion down there at the plantation as the manager of the lodge. And, uh, and so when I graduated from Georgia, I was offered a full-time job there and I, and I worked there for a couple of years and got married. And, uh, after a few years, my wife and I, now my ex-wife now, but we, we moved to LaGrange, Georgia, where I still live today and where my dad had gotten transferred up here from South Georgia, where I grew up and learned how to hunt. And I opened up a, a hunting fishing store here in LaGrange, very small. Uh, my buddy, my partner was the fishing end of the business. I was the hunting end of the business. It was just a very small, basic hunting and fishing retail store. And, uh, and it was right then when Bill Jordan was coming out with Realtree in 87, 86, 87. And I had a salesman come in my store one day and, because Realtree, the offices are only 50 miles from here. So I started selling Realtree in my store, and a mutual friend of mine introduced me to Bill one, one afternoon out scouting for deer on his lease in the county below here. And that's how I met Bill, and we just kind of hit it off. And so for about another year, I, I had the store, but then Bill, this would have been in 1990, Bill... Uh, was trying to get Realtree off the ground. Uh, he realized that if Realtree was going to be a success, Realtree needed a, a hunting show. And, and there's really were only two places that you could air a hunting show back then, a national show. It was WGN out of Chicago and TNN out of Nashville, the National Network. And so uh, we knew Jackie Bushman. We were sponsoring this show then and we still sponsor it today jackie was on tnn with buckmasters so bill came to me one day and we were visiting he said hey would you be interested in coming to work for realtree see if we can get a show on television and of course i didn't realize how involved the hand of god was on my life at that time because without a doubt, I said, sure, Bill, I'd love to. So I left the store that I was part owner of and invested three or four years in uh, and went to work for Bill. It was totally a leap of faith. And it was God's plan for my life, looking back on it now. And so I went to work for Bill. I had zero TV or camera or editing experience like we had a little local outdoor show for our store that aired on the local cable channel, but we had no experience with really good cameras or editing or anything like that. And so I went to work for Bill, and and, uh, and it took us a few years to finally get the green light to go on TNN, but what we did do is we started filming hunts, and we came out with our first deer hunting video, VHS, it was called Whitetails in the Wild, and 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 we took those to retail, and and uh, I was a cameraman, and I would film Bill, and then I learned, I kind of taught myself how to edit. Uh, we bought some very basic edit 
so, so I'm a self-taught editor back then. Today, I wouldn't even be able to turn on an editing system. <laughs> That's why I give it to but, him. <laughs> but that was the beginning of, of my career at Realtree. And and Bill, t- I, me- I remember Bill telling me, he says, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if we're going to get on TV. I don't know. It, this may not even fly. So coming to work for Realtree may be a short-term gig. And I said, that's fine, Bill. I I, I'd never even thought of the, the alternative, never even entered my mind that I could be out looking for another job. And of course that was 33 years ago. And, and, uh, it's, it's been an amazing, blessed, uh, privilege that God has given me to work for a man like Bill Jordan in a company like Realtree. I love that. I love that. You know, it's, um, it's funny, we, 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 we have you, we have Waddell, we have T-Bone, three separate individuals with different backgrounds, all kind of telling the same story a little bit. Obviously, T-Bone had his small shop and doing his yeah. own thing. You guys came in and kind of took him under it, under your wing there, and he helped in, in terms of producing better content for the show. Obviously, Waddell grew up as just a southern boy. Mm-hmm. You know, went through the whole process there, and you know we have some funny stories about him going to film school and all that stuff yep. up north in Massachusetts, and and you know filming and learning how to film, and it's just you know these collective group of guys all started with very humble beginnings. I mean, I, I mean, I was born in '87, so I, I, I don't I don't remember too much of the earlier days, but I know when I was younger, you know, maybe in late elementary school, middle school. Again, I was a I was a sports kid, so ESPN was Sports Center was on its probably its prime in the late '90s. You know, Stuart Scott and and all these guys and excuse me. And um, Saturday morning, I remember, you know, you put on the TV on Saturday morning, and ESPN would have a hunting show or would have a fishing show, right. if not on the main channel on ESPN two when that became a thing. And so that's how I got my first introduction. Of course, internet and things like that weren't available and. You know, you'd see Bill Dance on there fishing, or you'd see these guys on there hunting monster whitetails. I, I mean, it, talking to you guys just brings back so many cool memories for me of just like little memory flashbacks of watching that stuff in my yeah, living for room. Sure, yeah. Um, now we're talking about the filming stuff. It's it's getting yeah. into my yeah. my bread and butter. I that's what I love. I love to film and edit videos, and uh, that's what I do here for the company. But as you know, as you were talking about that, it had me kind of thinking about what logistics look like when you guys go out and film a hunt. Um, I don't know if you're super involved. I mean, I know you are involved with it, but um, what? I mean, I guess it's probably jo- changed a lot. Yeah, too. yeah. And Jordan and I, we tried to film a hunt. Uh, it was like like two years ago, um, and you know. I just took camera gear. I didn't bring a bow. I didn't bring anything else with me because it was an extra load, and and it was a uh, it was different, you know. Nice heavy load for sure. Yeah, it was a lot different than what we do here in the studio. And uh, maybe just talk about what logistics look like when you guys have a camera up in the tree or you know wherever you guys are hunting. Well, things certainly changed a lot. I know when we had our little local show here before I went to work for Bill, nobody filmed hunts back then uh so we had a little vhs camcorder just sit in the stand and film and uh, that was but when i went to work for bill uh i was i started the tv video production department and and up until about three or four years ago i i was in charge of the tv and video production efforts at realtree uh 
since then and and even before then we we had hired great people who were very knowledgeable phenomenal people that run it now that that should have been put in place way before because i was never trained for that but i just had an eye for video uh uh you know taking pictures and video and i had found it's kind of an art form you got to know how to frame it up you, you can't fight the zoom too much. You, you, you want to be smooth with your movements. And, but I remember even the first year we set out the video, there was a tree stand out of Arkansas called tracks America. The fellow's name was bear Dunn, big heavy set fellow smoked about three packs of cigarettes a day. That was his company. Well, he would send us ladder stands and we would use those ladder stands and I went to Bear one day, and I realized we needed a way to make the cameras steadier in the tree, but had no idea how to do it. I, I knew that a tripod up there on a lock-on stand wouldn't work. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. We tried it, but it didn't work. Yeah. Had no idea how do you make a tree... I mean, a camera steady in, in a tree, and we literally sat down one day and drew out on a piece of paper the first ever tree arm that anybody had ever seen or heard of. Nobody filmed deer hunts back then, so you got to understand, it's not the world we live in today. And it went around the tree, it was very rough, and, and it went around the tree with a chain, with a, with a turnbuckle. And that was how it tightened to the tree now you couldn't get very tight but it was tight enough to hold one of those small well we just lost them oh no dang it he was just gonna we just lose him yeah we lost him for sure he said he was kind of worried about the connection he was in his basement there he is <laughs> we lost you there for well every once in a while i'll just drop a call so i have no idea why but just pick it up where I was. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you had the turnbuckle and you were so you, the tree. That was the beginning of the tree arm industry. And you can imagine how rough it was. But that, we, looking back, I didn't even realize that we were really, you know, setting the tone for yeah. outdoor way back then. It yeah. was pretty cool. I mean, now look that at it. Cool. Now look at it. We can take, uh, I can take this thing and, and magnetize it to my bow or. Put a GoPro. Oh, yeah. on, I mean, it, put a GoPro yeah. on an extended arm, and obviously the tree, the tree yeah. systems that we have, we used. Um, what was the one that was uh, Fourth Arrow? Fourth Arrow. Yeah. yeah, Fourth Arrow is the one that we used when we were filming, and you know, you pull a full yeah. full camera on there. Um, well, when we got the green light to finally put real tree outdoors on TNN, they informed us that the quality of our cameras was going to have to be broadcast quality, which meant beta SP format back then. It was before 4K or HD. It was beta SP. The problem was beta SP cameras were about 40, 50,000 a piece. And we had to buy two of them. And that's really when Bill's, you know, Realtree's still trying to make it. Well, Bill jumped in and, and bought, borrowed the money and bought two beta SP cameras. Wow. I couldn't believe how much they cost. And they were big and heavy and 
cumbersome, but that that's what you had to film with to get the quality of footage that was required to air on national television. Yeah, yeah. So it's amazing how much money we spent because now you can buy a camera for twenty five bucks that the quality is good enough to air on ESPN. Sure. Yep. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. TV show. That's, I'll bet that was fun with a big old camera up in a tree stand, trying not to move it while the deer's coming in. <laughs> there, there was nothing to that because we we had we had gotten a little better on our camera arms and we made a little a sturdy one. Started using a ratchet strap around the tree so it was better. The the tough part was filming an elk hunt or a turkey hunt oh, yeah, with a yeah. fade camera. Now you're talking about a 20, 25 pound Sackler tripod because it had to be big to handle the big camera. A 30 pound camera. The batteries were Anton Bauer, five pounds a piece. Uh, carrying that, but we knew, but here's the thing we knew no different. If you showed a camera guy nowadays that outfit, said, that's just what you're going to take to hunt turkeys out west with or hunt an elk with out west, that's your package. It's 60 pounds. We yeah, knew no wild. different. Like, well, like we knew no different. Nowadays, people would go, there's no way. I'll go find another job. I'll yeah, no do doubt. That. No doubt. Yeah, it's uh, you, we take those lithium batteries for granted now, don't <laughs> yeah. we? <laughs> it, yeah, so we, we've really seen a lot of. A lot of improvements, obviously, in the editing. You know, my first edit system was called an AB roll system, and it was not linear. It was not not. It was linear editing, not nonlinear, like yep. which is done on computers. Yep. Back then, if you edited on a tape system, and you had gotten, let's say, twelve or thirteen minutes into the show, and you realized back at minute number three, you you left a shot out you would have to go back to minute number three and start all over. You couldn't just drop it in. You couldn't just splice it in. That was the the old AB AB roll edit systems. That's what we learned on. Yeah, that's crazy. It makes it's crazy to think about. You know, like I take I take all the stuff we have for granted. You know, when you hear something like that, it's that's another level. Oh, I mean, heck, the, even the podcast now, where half of it's almost automated for us, yeah. you know, with all this AI and computer generation stuff, a lot of the work has already been taken out of, and all we got to do is just put our personal touch to it. Yep. You know, yeah. and, or, or make it, make sure that it's smooth. Yeah. But, but what made Real Trail Outdoors the number one rated hunting show way back in the day is, I'll never forget this, when we got the green light air on TNN, uh, now you got to remember, National Network was bull riding, country music, NASCAR, hunting and fishing, and that was it. It was an amazing network, very popular. But Bill comes to me and he says, uh, "Hey, w- what are we going to do to make our show stand out from the others?" There weren't very many shows on. There were probably four other hunting shows on all of national television, period, across the country. And I said, Bill, the, what we've got to do is we need to show impact, like we're showing on our videos, because Monster Bucket's in. Will Primos had started the Truth Series by then. I said, Bill, we've got to show impact on the show. Nobody was showing impact, the arrow hitting the deer okay. or the bullet hitting the deer. 
on TV. Nobody was showing that. That was taboo. Yeah. And Bill said, do you think we can do that? And I said, Bill, I think we need to do that because hunters, the real hunters, the people who are buying real tree camouflage, that's what they want to see. That's why they love the video so much. And nobody is showing it on television. Yeah. And, uh, so we were given permission to show impact. Now it had to be tastefully edited. Sure. You know, you didn't show a lot of, you know, gore and stuff like that. And we did that. We tastefully edited it. People went nuts on national television, good and bad. The hunters could not believe how good it was. No more of these hokey, fake hunts on TV where you don't even know if they're recovering the same deer that they supposedly shot. Because I stories back then where it was two separate deer. It wasn't even the same deer. Uh, but this legitimized everything. It, it gave everybody credibility if you could show everything in a hunt. Well, uh, after about six or seven weeks of just our ratings going through the roof and just like, like we had the highest ratings ever on TV for hunting shows. I got a call one day from the program director at TNN and he said, David, I hate to tell you this, but when you send next, next week's show up here, it can't have any impact in it. And I said, what are you talking about? Well, sure enough, some anti-hunters, had gotten through to the network and had expressed their displeasure of how in the world can you show somebody shooting a poor innocent animal on television, da 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 da. And this is back in the day before emails, before text, before internet. It was none of that. So then the next week we sent our show up there with no impact in it. And it was it hurt so bad to send that show. And we and our phone lines light up from the from the viewers saying, why did y'all cave in to the anti-hunters? Why did you take Impact out? And I gave everybody the phone number at TNN. <laughs> there you go. Called the fellow, the, the program. And they, the hunters overwhelmingly went to work and, and bombarded TNN. And about three weeks later, he called me back and he says, you know what? Y'all can put impact back in. So we won that war, and that's why there's impact now on on television. I love it, man. I yeah, mean, that's great. these guys are true. I mean, we, we again, we take for granted in the world of YouTube and TikToks and Instagrams and all stuff, we take for granted just being able to see people hunt. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I can film it on my on my phone, you know, in, yeah. in, in 4K, and, you know, in super – 10 times better than anything he's ever had when he started. And oh, you know, and yeah. it's just uh, it, to hear him talk about the start of it is just awesome. I'll tell you this back with those bad SP cameras, you literally lost 20 to 30 minutes of light because uh, the cameras had they did not have that capability to gather light. So early morning, you could not shoot a bow, look through your pen and see your pen. Uh, I mean, you had to wait another, by the time you could see your pen, you had to wait another 20, 30 minutes before the cameraman had enough light to film a hunt. And the same thing in the evening. You had to cut off the hunt about 20 or 30 minutes during prime time because the camera was not physically capable of gathering enough light. Now, the camera guys, they can see 
well past when I can see my peak. Yeah. Yep. Oh, 100%. Um, so, so it, it's just, it's a different world. But I have to give credit, too, to other people in the industry, like Will Primos and, and the guys over at the Truth Series, which was Cuz Strickland at the time when yep. he worked for Will. And yep. Those guys were pioneers as well. Mark and Terry Jury, who are dear friends, they were pioneers as well. Uh, so, really, between the that small group of people that I just named, those were those were the pioneers of, of making outdoor television what it is today. I love it. You know, um, getting into this too, and just hearing some of the stories from Waddell and and his time being a guide there for the show, for a lot of the shows. You know, you know, you're looking at the the mid, early '90s, mid '90s. You know. You, He's got a really funny story about Earnhardt always coming up and, and filming and, and hunting for turkeys. You know, as you oh, yeah. go, as you go through and you've been with Realtree for so long, have you ever gotten? And I think another benefit too is Realtree um, showcasing celebrities. You know, I'm gonna use that as an air quote. You know, to them they're just hunters, but to other people, you know, have you ever gotten starstruck in terms of all the the guests that you guys have come on? I mean, I'm. I'm just thinking you have, you know, Earnhardt's, you know, there's no bigger name than him, you know, um, and, you know, well, the, the NASCAR guys, you know, you've had a lot of relationships with Realtree as a company with those. I mean, have you, you ever look back and say, wow. Well, for me personally, uh, you nailed it. There was no bigger star that hunted with us bigger than Dale senior. He, he was the biggest and, uh, he was such a good guy too. And he and I came very, very dear friends. Uh, and then we hunted with, you know, some country music singers and NASCAR drivers and some athletes. And, and it was all cool. Uh, but, but I have to say that early on, uh, TNN, this is back in 93, 94, 95, before outdoor television became a thing, right? Before Outdoor Channel or Schwarzman Channel or any of those platforms, they did a national survey, and I'll never forget this. They did a national survey of viewers of hunting shows, their hunting shows. And overwhelmingly, the results came back that they would rather watch someone who is just a hunter who is good at hunting as opposed to a celebrity hunting. Overwhelmingly. They wanted to see a guy who could teach them something, who had credibility as a hunter, as opposed to watching somebody who was famous. And I personally think that, that it tends to be more like that nowadays, even though there are some very cool celebrities that love to hunt and are good at hunting. I'm not taking anything away from them. But if you had to choose between you want to watch a guy who's good at what he does or watch somebody who's famous, your true hunters are go would rather watch somebody who's good at what they do. Like you take like a Bill Winky. Yeah. You know, with Midwest Whitetail oh, sure. started that. Yeah, sure. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that, anyway, that's just my personal opinion. Now, we've had great relationships with NASCAR drivers, ball players, country music guys, and they've been great for the brand. Yep. And they've supported real. Dang it. Awesome again. That's a bummer, man. We get on a roll and it cuts off. We'll just put it this way, ladies and gentlemen. He wouldn't have been able to even have this conversation when the time frame that we're talking about. So <laughs> the fact that we're even here <laughs> talking to him and he is on his cell phone. So 
Oh, there he is again. There we go. You look better. We're going. We're going to come upstairs. Okay. Hey, I, I told Jordan. I was. I said. I wonder if he went upstairs because he was worried about the service down in the basement. I don't. I don't have Wi-Fi in my house. I'm. That's kind of weird. But I just don't. I'll just pick it up. I'll just talk about the change locations. No, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. We're rolling. We're still rolling. So, um, you know, like you like you mentioned before, you lost you there. You'd rather ha- you had the the poll, and you'd rather see hunters like Bill Winky and those guys that are giving the the viewer something instead of just watching a celebrity. Well, but but I said, but we had a great relationship mm-hmm. with celebrities sure. too, and sure. they were great for the brand, and they still are. Yes. Um. Uh, they, they certainly are. And we still hunt with, uh, you know, a lot of baseball players, Austin Riley and yep. Chipper Jones. Tyler's yep. really good friends with those guys and uh, NASCAR drivers yep. and, and country music guys. And, and uh, so th- they're good for hunting. They're, they're, they're great for promoting the sport of hunting. Yes. Oh, for sure. For which, sure. Which, which we need a lot of now, but, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it was awesome. I, yeah, but I'd say Dale Senior was was the biggest name we hunted with, and consequent and and believe it or not, he, to, in my opinion, he was probably the most down to earth, blue collar celebrity we've ever hunted with. I mean, you've seen the clips of him too. You know, he said, "I'm." I think uh, Junior may have posted or something. I, I can't remember where I saw it, but it's, uh, you know, I may go win a race on Sunday, but come Monday morning, I'm Dale Earnhardt, and I still got to take the chickens out, or I still got to feed my cows, or I still got to do – I know he had a chicken farm, so he's like, you know, I still got to go in here and collect the eggs. You know, I'm, I'm – Well, there's people listening to this podcast that don't even know who Dale Earnhardt Senior is. <laughs> I'm uh, telling Which you. is me, but uh, he's an icon. I remember during turkey season one year, they raced at uh, a little track called Rockingham, which is no longer a, a, a track they race anymore in North Carolina, I think. And real small oval track. Well, after the race, Dale flew to down here to turkey hunt with us that night after the race. Well, I picked him up the next morning, been Monday morning at 5 a.m. to take him turkey hunting. It's just me and him and and he gets in the truck and he looks at me. He says, "Blanton." He always, always called me Blanton. He said, "Blanton." He said, "I am so sore from the race yesterday. He said, I can't hardly move. I need some Advil, and I need some Advil and a and a Coca Cola." And so there was this little bitty mom and pop convenience store near where we were going turkey hunt that morning. So we whip in there at at five thirty, and they had, they hadn't been open long. And we got our camo on, and we walk in. And uh, and Dale gets some Tylenol and a Coca-Cola and, and we pays for it and we're walking out and this guy's walking in and he goes, Hey man, listen, have you ever have you ever had anybody tell you that you look just like Dale Earnhardt, the race car driver? And he said, You know what? I get that all the time. <laughs> we just like that. <laughs> that was Dale Earnhardt. I love it. That, that morning you know we had waddell tell us the story too you know he was walking in someplace with him and you was i mean he's the king he was the king in the south i mean there was no bigger figure in 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 sports in the 90s and he said you know those people would have thought that they just saw you know jesus christ Mm -hmm. i mean they they it it could have been yeah yeah there was nobody bigger for sure that's his trump card when he always talks to um with blake 
I think him and Blake, anytime that uh, they're messing around, he goes, well, I have, you know, I got this guy's phone number. I had this guy's phone number, you know, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, along those lines, too, you guys have been able to hunt some incredible animals, everything from, you know, um, elk and mule deer and, and antelope, obviously down to whitetails and et cetera, turkey all over the country. You know, are whitetails are whitetails still on top for you? Are they always going to hold a special place? No, no. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I had they were at one time. They were for a while. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what else to do about that. We can't do anything on our end. It's just, I mean, he knows. I don't have to tell him. <laughs> the third spot. It is what it is. It's uh, it's not. It's you no know, big. Here in our town, if it, when it gets this hot this early, it affects our pawn service. Oh, oh yeah, it. yeah, it does. It really does. Uh, but no, you but were anyway. White tails uh, and your your favorite. Now your favorite. The white white tails were on the top of the list for quite a while. But my passion has always been video and turkeys and turkey hunts. Video them. That was my passion. Then I became, I got in front of the camera more, and and so, but now I'm going all the way back around to my passion now is video and turkeys again. But now the last couple of years I've been videoing myself hunting turkeys, which has been quite the challenge to get really good footage, you know, off a tripod and everything. Uh, I would say turkey hunting now is probably my uh, turkey hunting would be my most enjoyable hunt that I do every year, followed by bow hunting elk. I've always loved the thrill of bow hunting bugling elk out west. Yeah, I don't I don't blame I don't think I mean, I haven't had the opportunity yet. Obviously, turkey hunting is is uh, I like it because it's you're you're an active pursuit. You're not just kind of sit and wait. It's uh, more yeah. more of an active, more of an elk approach, if you will. And so I could definitely see the challenge for that, too, because it's, a, I mean, you, you might have to drop shop and, and set up right now, you know, if a bird's getting, coming in. And so that's the challenge for sure. And you get the cha- you get to experience different breeds all across the country and, and down in the South America and, and Central America. So there's a lot to do. We lost again. Yeah, I, at this point, that's what, four? Mm-hmm. So... I can hook up the Bluetooth thing and and we can just call them. Yeah. Do you think Do you think it'd be better if we just uh, called you and just did it without the video? Would that help you? Well, let's try this because we're you know we've been in it what thirty five forty minutes. Yeah. Something. We we can, you know, we we had an hour, so let's just see if we can get through the next five. Yeah, I can get you just a few more. Um. I just want to talk about your whitetail season and your, just your season in general. Yep. So we can we Do can that. dive right into that. We can skip through some of these other setup stuff I had. Um, Do that. But I know you you had posted you were excited. I think it was a picture of a bull elk or something like that. You're getting ready to talk about your excitement. You're headed to Wyoming this weekend or next week. What's the what's this plan looking like moving forward for your hunting this season? So so we go to Wyoming as we mentioned the first week of September to bow hunt the whitetails out there. I'll come home uh, for several days. My I have a grandson that'll be turning one, so he'll have his birthday party. And then on September the 12th, I'll drive out to New Mexico 
pick up the camera guy in Albuquerque. He'll fly in. I'll pick him up. We'll hunt elk for eight or nine days if we need it. Uh, and then when we leave there, which I'm super stoked about the elk hunt. I, I, I love elk hunting with a bow. It's just beautiful. Um, it's such a challenge, too. I would say getting a, a high-quality video hunt elk hunt with a bow is probably the hardest thing that we attempt to do every year uh, because heck he was almost better off down in the basement seemed like or maybe well maybe it's like he said once the you know once it starts getting real hot down there maybe it's really affecting his cell phone service yeah. all right so we're going to switch from the video perspective here and we're going to go ahead and just give him a call and we'll finish the rest of this episode up on the audio side he was on a roll too so it's all good. That's just what it is sometimes. We'll be right back. Sorry, guys. Hey, hey it's, no that's technology, all. man. Things happen. All good. It, it wouldn't be the first, and it's definitely not going to be the last. Um, well, I appreciate y'all no, understanding. No, it, it, it happens, David. Not a big deal at all. Um, so you were just talking before we got disconnect there. You're, you're going to fly uh, New Mexico archery elk hunt? Yeah, archery elk, which is the hardest thing to do, is get a high quality video hunt with a, a a big elk with a bow and arrow because you're on their turf, you're eye leveled, your big herd bulls usually have uh, a harem of cows with them. You got a, a lot of eyeballs. It's a 800 pound turkey, but they can smell. Yep. You got the winds that swirl at the least opportune times. I mean, you can put a stalk on an elk for two or three hours and have the wind perfect and then there at the last minute it'll swirl and just the whole the, the whole deal's blown up so it's uh it's really uh but it's very challenging but it's very rewarding oh, and sure. and then i when we leave new mexico we'll drive up into nebraska and bow hunt whitetails for four or five days and then we we want to be in iowa i'm gonna hunt western iowa uh hopefully weather permitting if it's cooler the october 1st and we'll bow hunt the whitetails there for a week or so uh, and then uh, i'll come home for a break and then i head up to to y'all's country and hunting with uh ryan springer with bow hunting ohio whitetails i'm really really excited about y'all because you you gave me the lead jordan on yeah. that deal yeah so uh andrew who's on our pro staff team he was really excited when i told him that we were going to have you on he was um i think i gave i may have gave him your connection or he sent me ryan's connection um, but he recently just got hooked up with those guys and uh they're excited to have you on it seems like from what I know about their outfit down there in Southern Ohio, they, they kind of let you do your own thing. Here's kind of the inventory that we have and That's you, know, right. you, you can make it as, uh, as DIY as you want. And so I think that'd be, right. per, that'd be That's perfect right. for y'all for sure. Well, was, you know, it's funny though, being a college football fan, I looked at the, our schedule. That is the weekend that I'll be up there hunting is also the Georgia, Florida football game. <laughs> So we may be sitting out, if I don't have service to watch it in the tree stand, we may be sitting out to watch the game. Isn't that terrible? That's terrible. That's terrible. I'll, I'll tell you right now, if you're hunting south, southeast Ohio, you're not going to have the service. So you might as well just well, go, ahead, go ahead and find yourself a local sports bar and watch it there. Oh, my gosh. So, But anyway, I'm super excited about hunting there with Ryan and his outfit. And uh, 
really love the do-it-yourself deal too because mm-hmm. i just love hanging stands and i i just so i'm super i'm really excited about that then I, I, after that hunt's over I, i'm gonna drive to uh illinois okay to bow hunt whitetails and uh it would be kind of southeast illinois mm-hmm. uh yeah. Around the second week of November, and then I hope to be in Kentucky for the rifle season in the middle of November during the rut. I, that's going to be fun. I've never done that before either. No, that's you're going to have your hands full for sure. Mm-hmm. You got a busy schedule. Yep, for sure. Now, looking at how you have these stacked up, and, and don't worry, I'll, when you come to Ohio, I'll be down there. We'll be down there. We'll right. I'll, I'll crack a cold one open with you or whatever you like tea, tea whatever you want. But um, you know it having these so back to back and lined up do you do you have kind of a a tailored approach and how you how do you approach these different states you know like like ryan's for instance you kind of I'm, I'm sure you're doing some e-scouting and, and using onyx and other other um sources of you know e-scouting if you will how do you tailor your approach to kind of know what you're going to do as soon as you get there or do you kind of like wait and see once boots are on the ground or how, how does that work for you well i I can always categorize hunting strategies by what time of the year it is. Uh, early season, like Wyoming, Nebraska, Iowa, you've got to do a fair amount of long-range scouting because you're just hunting deer on feeding patterns. Yeah. And so that takes a fair amount of scouting to see where they're coming out in the evenings. And a lot of times, those times of year, we won't even hunt mornings uh, because you, it, when you're hunting a food source, deer coming to a hayfield or whatever, it's hard to get in there in the mornings without bumping a bunch of deer. Yeah, sure. So it's a lot of afternoon sits. Now, when I get to Ohio, you're you're starting to get you know that end of October where if you get a if you get a cool front that comes through, those bucks are, they're ready, man. They're on their feet. They're starting to cruise, you know, running some scrape lines and mm-hmm. laying down some rubs and basically looking for that first doe that may come into heat early. Exactly. And so the bucks are like super ready. You know, Don Kiske from Iowa has always said if he had to pick his one number one favorite day, to hunt a big mature whitetail he always said october 28th if if the weather is is decent mm-hmm. he yeah. said that he said those bucks are on the move he said that's the time of year that you can you can rattle in bucks you can grunt in bucks so one of my strategies up there in ohio being that time of year would be uh, to possibly set out a small buck decoy mm-hmm. uh, and do a little light rattling. Okay. Okay. Uh, because those bucks are very uh, can can be not always obviously, but they can be very receptive to coming to a call. Uh, that's when food is kind of not their thing. Starting about then, you know. Uh, you're just trying to get in some pinch points or some funnel areas, travel corridors, and, and that's really how we're going to hunt them in Ohio and Illinois. 
Now, now when you're coming, how many? I mean, obviously you're hanging stands, right? Like mm-hmm. on like yeah. on a ten day on a ten day hunt. I mean, it depends on the terrain. But how many how many stands or how many sets would you be bringing with you on something like that? Oh, just two or three. Two or three. Just and we'll take and yeah, because I'm I, what I have learned over the years is you can literally scout yourself right out of the game yeah and you can go hang so many sets that you you really don't know which one to go hunt and you end up jumping around and for me i have learned firsthand the hard way on a lot of occasions my success rate is higher if i go into an area and i have a lot of confidence in that area and it's a it's a really a good feeling it's just a lot of experience. And if I have a lot of confidence in an area, a location, I'm going to stick with that. As long as I've got the wind in my favor and, and I don't feel like I'm, you know, alerting deer of my presence, I'm going to stick with that area and, and, uh, and be patient. But I'm not going to hunt it with a marginal wind, and I'm not going to hunt it if I don't have a way to get in and get out without being detected. See, that was my next question, access, you know, because, I mean, when you're coming to Ohio and you're on this property, it'll probably be the first time that you've, you've really had your boots on the ground there. Are you going to, I was going to see about your access, are you, do you get, being a 10-day hunt, do you kind of stay conservative at first? or do you? Well, ever... it's not a 10-day hunt. I oh. mean, because I, oh, okay. I'm up there for a, a, a week, okay. I think, five or six days of hunting. Okay, six, so even maybe. less, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. Are you, do you stay conservative in terms of? how deep you push in based on access and, and I'm pretty conservative. I, I, my, I, I'm just a conservative hunter I, and, and, uh, have not always been conservative hunter. And I, and I've actually shot my fair amount of whitetails being fairly aggressive and pushing the envelope with stand locations, what have you. It's just now I, I tend to, to be a little more conservative than I, than I used to be. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So it's hard to find the right setup where a tree or trees offer you and a cameraman the cover you need to not be silhouetted and, and picked off. Uh, you got a good wind direction, a very strategic tree, but the tree also allows you to get the kind of video that people want to see on DVDs or TV. You know, there are such things as killing trees, which are awesome, but you wouldn't get a, a hardly a lick of video out of that tree. And when we go into a hunt, we're trying to go, okay, well, where am I going to be able to get the kind of video I want to get? And that, re- for me, that really plays into it a lot. Oh, I believe it. I would believe it for sure. Yeah. Cause like I said, if you're going to get into thick bedding or something like that, where it's real nasty and, and kind of thick and just thicker, you know, your, your video, you, you may have a handful of shooting lanes. Well, that might not be the best for the, for the video perspective. You can probably see the buck a little bit through brush cover or something, but not, not to the idea that. Right. Trying to if produce, if, if I were just hunting and, and without a camera, man, that's, that's where I'd be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, nasty stuff. But but those are great spots to hunt. Uh, 
So it's very interesting to get up there and, and kind of see. And, you know, and, and kind of when you go into an area that you've never hunted before, like up there in Ohio where I'll be, and, and there'll be some intel that Ryan will be able to give me when I get there oh, sure. from, from the landowner and, and a little bit. And, uh, and and it'll help, but you, you're kind of going into it kind of uh, – uh, your odds aren't as great because you don't have a lot of experience on that piece of property. So it's, it's going to kind of be a, a, a trial, you know, trial oh, yeah. by fire deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I, and I'm assuming for, for a video perspective, you're not going to be kind of the one that wants to hunt over bait or anything like that either too. Right. No, no, there's, there's, there's not going to be any bait on that property, which I, I'm good with as long as, there's not bait on all the neighboring pieces of property and all the deer are pulled off the property. Yeah. That's a, that's a challenge for sure. That, that would be the one thing that, that would concern me is if everybody around there, and I don't know the whole layout, I don't know how much ground is around there that nobody hunts or is hunted heavily or, but Ryan will know. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's been great so far and, and, uh, he feels really confident that we're going to be in the game on this piece of property we're going to hunt. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm real excited too. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to have you up for sure. I'd, I'd be interested to see just how it all shakes out. I know there's potentially even, uh, next year too, if I'm not mistaken, that's when we originally were talking about it. So hopefully yeah. it works out and you can make it, make it kind for of sure. a, a routine thing up there for sure. Southeast Ohio is definitely the ticket, you know, Southern, Southern yeah. and Southeast Ohio. Um, obviously up here by us too and in central and eastern ohio there's some big deer up here for sure so i'm excited to get you up here 100 percent. well thank you thank you for the lead and yeah. i'm looking forward to it yeah well you know we're not too far you can just swing on up get all you need get all get all your uh maybe your... a little shopping come yeah, on up. shopping we'll take care of you we'll give you a secret yep. shot we'll uh we'll, we'll push the shopping cart around for you and get you everything you need <laughs> Yeah. Grab you some yep, real tree. Yep, that's right. Grab you some extra real tree. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. That's right. But yeah, you know, and you, you kind of made a joke about, I mean, it's, it's a joke, but not really, cause I know you're going to do it. The Florida Georgia game, you know, it kind of led me to my point. Let's say you are, you, you do get a week and this, you, this could be Ohio. This could be any, any state really for that matter, or any hunt for that matter. Are you willing to kind of just burn a day if the weather is not exactly right, or would you just try to pursue another oh, option? Listen. I, no, no, no. I am notorious for not hunting if the wind's not right, if the weather's not right, if if, if the conditions are so poor, and I feel like I'm going to hurt my odds by going out there and trying to hunt, I will not hunt. I, I, I like to a fault almost. But it has paid off for me in, in ways. I, there was a, here's an interesting story. We were in Montana hunting a river bottom, not the Milk River. We were on the Marias River, and uh, we were, had never been there before, and we scouted from a great big bluff over by a railroad track looking through spotting scopes. As these deer were leaving this giant alfalfa field, they were literally were going two miles back to bed from the, from the field, and they were leaving the field right at daylight. And we got up on this bluff. We'd walked down this railroad track about a mile, got up on the bluff, and we were looking a half mile in there watching these bucks go by. So we determined, okay, that's where the bucks are going. We went in there. They went to bed. The wind was good. We go in. We hang our set. 
we're all set. I mean, like, we are set. Next morning, we get up. The wind's good. We get out of the truck. We're going to walk a mile down the railroad track, and we're going to cut into our tree stand. We walked a mile down the railroad track. We walked in, got almost to where the stand was in the dark before daylight because these deer were not getting to the field till after dark. So we were hunting in the morning, leaving the southbound field. But we're, you know, we're um, almost a mile from the field between the field and the bedding area. We get almost to the stand, and I noticed the wind had switched, and it was blowing back up towards the field. I didn't even hesitate. I looked at the cameraman. I said, and I just started walking back to the railroad track. And he said, what are we doing? I said, we're not hunting. And we just, when I hurriedly walked out of there before our scent could go all the way up to the field, I said, we're not hunting. I went switch. He said, no, really? And I said, yeah, I just did. And it, and I, it switched. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. Barely switched. We go back to the railroad track, got up on the bluff, and sure enough, 30 minutes after daylight, here comes that bachelor group to buck, and they go right under our tree stand, but they're walking into the wind. Because the wind had switched, yeah. barely. Yeah. The next morning we get up, we're so fired up, same thing. We go down the railroad track a mile, we cut in, the wind switches again. I turn right back around, walk back to the railroad track, get back up on the bluff. Same deal. The bucks come right under the stand. I would not, I, I wouldn't even take a, I wouldn't even consider going in there hunting. The third morning we get up, walk in, the wind didn't switch. It was in our favor. We killed 162-inch whitetail. I love it. But what what my point is, I I will not go in there and hunt if conditions are not good. Yeah, you get one chance with a with a buck like that. Yeah, you know, he's he gets your scent. He's not coming back. And look, look, there was a year. I think it was three or four years ago. I shot either six or seven whitetails with my bow on camera, and every single one of those deer was killed the first time I sat on that particular stand. Can't, can't argue with that. Yeah. You can't first argue time. Yeah. First time in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. I feel like um, that's one of those things where a lot of people, just like their average show hunter, some people are very serious about it, and some people are like, you know, like sometimes that's the only day I got. I got to yeah. go try oh, and make yeah. something. Right. I was going to say, to their, to yeah. their yeah. defense, to, to their defense, they're like, well, I don't have time off from work. No, I – I'm going to hunt. And, well, I, I salute them because they're out there to hunt. Whether it means blowing deer up or not, they're going to sit in a tree and they're going to enjoy it. Yep, exactly. And, I, you know, I'm interested to see how how your approach is. Let's say, like, the have you ever hunted, like, the deep woods? Like, you know, we see people, like, in Pennsylvania and others hunting these, like, big mountain woods or these big stretches of wood property where you're not having a lot of ag um, friends. Well, at home, that's what we hunt. Yeah. And so – I think like sometimes I'll kind of take a risk because I can think that it could probably come from anywhere. You know, typically I'm going to hunt a more of a, a strong directional wind. So I know that it's going this way, but it kind of gives me, I don't know. Action can happen from any direction, I guess sometimes, especially if you 100%, don't know the property. It's completely different, a completely different mindset when you're hunting woods like that, because it can happen from anywhere. Yes. Hundred percent agree, but but a lot of our hunting is done in Kansas or mm-hmm. Wyoming or Nebraska or Iowa or Illinois, and and, and those are distinct travel corridors or yes. 
they're running funnels or pinch points or field edges and you kind of know what the deer are, are doing you know as far as going to and from bedding or if they're just cruising kind of how they're cruising so you kind of know but yes to to your point you start getting in the big woods it's different it's, it's it, yes it can happen any from anywhere i guess that's a good point too because like kansas and those places you know like you said you're going to have those those pinch points or those field edges you know you're going to have your massive spread of a field that's just barren field you know crop field they're not going to be there they're going to be in the woods for for cover so you're going to have to kind of hunt that particular and that might be only be a certain you know let's just say 10 acre parcel of, of woods and field edge so you got to kind of definitely play the game right there for sure that's right and and to that point there is not in my opinion there is not a product on the market that eliminates human odor there you go yeah. I, I, I can't argue with yeah, it. I can't either. I mean, <laughs> I, you, you... There, there are products on the market that help mm-hmm. it help minimize sure. human odor, and, and, it's, and it's good to use those, but not to the point where, you know, there was a company years ago in our industry, y'all may or may not remember this, their, their tagline was, forget the wind, just hunt. Well, I can tell you right now, that's one of the most absurd taglines I've ever heard in my life. Now, you can use products that will help you minimize your scent, but as far as forgetting the wind, no, you always got to play that. And going in there thinking that you're going to be ten foot tall and bulletproof, and 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 no, that's not going. Put put it this way: there, milkweed is always in my bag. <laughs> so I, I'm never not playing that thing. No, no, there's no way. I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. There's a, there's a definitely a thing for stacking the cards in your favor. Like we've mentioned sure. and like you've mentioned. And as a hunter, we want every possible advantage that we can, whether that's activated carbon or, or sprays or cover sense or anything like that. Um, you know, the calming sense, anything like that, anything I can, and I use that stuff, you know, to help. But at the end of the day, you can't you can't fool that nose for sure no and 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 i'm i'm so well known with camera guys i'm sitting in a stand and that wind's good for an hour or two hour or two or three and all of a sudden if that wind shifts i'm down like like if i feel like it's shifted and it's shifted and it's fixing to hurt the me and 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 uh educate some deer i'm I'm out of there yeah well it's definitely a good point to take take away from for sure now now one thing i didn't have we were kind of cutting in and out of and i'll let you go after we get this and just on the technical side what what all are you what are you using i mean i know you're a matthews guy i had my hat on um what the what what's your setup looking like that you're taking to all these different hunts i know you got some rifle hunts and stuff in there and obviously archery hunts well, my archery, my archery is uh, I'm shooting the Matthews, and, and I'm actually going between the Phase 4 and the V3X. Uh, I, I, I really, to be honest with you, this summer, I have shot my V3X more than my Phase 4. That's what we both have. Yep. Yep. I personally like the draw cycle better on the V3X than the Phase 4. Now, I, some people will tell you whether well, they're the same. Well, for my shoulder, they're not. 
I can feel the difference in the draw cycle. And at my age, honestly, I need the smoothest, less uh, pressure on my shoulder and elbow that I can get. I just love the V3X. I just love that bow. I love the Phase 4, too, but I'm shooting the V3X. I'm shooting the HHA four-pin slider, you know, fix 20, 30, 40, 50, and then it slides. Uh, uh, obviously, shooting the uh, Ultra S that comes yep. with the Matthews boat. Yep. I'm Good. shooting the uh, Axis Arrow, the the uh, okay, uh, the, the uh, Eastern Axis, the Eastern Eastern Axis uh, Arrow. Uh, yeah, the uh, five millimeter. Yep, yep, that's right. That's what I got. No, I'm not shooting the the small diameter. Uh, and I'm shooting the the G5 dead meat. Uh, the Mega Meat's a great broadhead yeah. too, but I'm shooting the dead meat. I just I just like the dead meat. I think it's yeah plenty enough cutting. Uh, that's a great power. That's a great head for sure. That's what. Uh, um. So yeah. So so that's and I'm shooting about sixty four. 64 pounds i think is my is my peak weight on my bow but what i am toying with this year is uh gosh under some uh, most of my shooting in the summer i do with the hinge release the the v3 uh archery uh bg pro hinge release i shoot a lot with that during the summer for technique and execution, you know, better form. There are some guys I know that are so good with a hinge release, they actually hunt with them. Yeah. I'm not one of those archers, but this year, under the right circumstances, I am toying with the idea of hunting with it. Now, that would be like hunting deer that are coming out on the alfalfa field or a food plot or something that's not uh, like uh, fast paced. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden there he is and you got to move, you know, then I'll shoot my thumb driven release, but I shoot that hinge release so good. I, I would love to uh, hunt with that. I, yeah. I, I'm on the fence about that. Yeah. I, I, I tried the, um, the ultra view hinge release and, um, I, I unfortunately missed a deer or missed a buck because um, of that quick action. Like, I could shoot it great all day at a target uh -huh. or a bag target or spots, um, yep. indoor 3D. But yep. it came to that fast pace. You got your adrenaline yep. pumping. I the, the, the manipulation of it, I blew a shot. I mean, quite candidly, it was under 20 yards. And I know for a fact. It, that, which is exactly my yeah, fear. Yeah. And that's And switched to a thumb button. This year, I used the knock-on um, thumb button from Dudley. And, um, the, the thumb button I've used for 30 years, 35 years, thumb driven releases. And I love them. I, I love them. The, uh, but I probably will just hunt with, honestly, I probably will just hunt with the thumb r release, the thumb button. Uh, but gosh, it's especially here in your experience with the hinge release and the hunting scenario. Yeah. That's what concerns me. Yeah, and to each their own, for sure, on that. I mean, I think I, my jitters were pretty high at that moment because it was kind of unexpected how quick it showed up. During, it was, um, like, 
mid 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 November. Things are moving pretty fast, and I just ended sure. up listening. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Right. But um, yeah, the, the movement enforcing a hinge over the movement enforcing a thumb is yeah. way different. Like you're moving your whole hand to force that oh, hinge yeah. to go off. It could throw mm-hmm. your whole yeah your whole shot. And it, and it certainly did. Yeah. I mean, there's no excuse for me not to hit that deer. I mean, wow. I, it's, but it, it, I mean. It is. It just it, it happens. It's part of. Or y'all may have yeah. just taught me into just <laughs> just shooting my hands when I practice during the season, yeah. even. But but then hunting with the thumb thumb button. Yeah, y'all may have just answered. Yeah, I question. mean the pull through is still. I mean, it's still a thing. Like you're still in practice, good form. But yep. I feel like if you were to, uh, you know, trigger punch it in a in a moment where your adrenaline's high, just moving your thumb over your, your hand, yours less. That's than right. for sure. That's so. right. That's right. Well, David, man, I uh, we had our ups and downs, but we're gonna we'll let you get going on that. You know, I uh, I I can't tell you, I I look forward to having you up here so much. I'm I'm excited to get down there and, and see you. I look forward to it. I think I'll be there on October the twenty, either the twenty sixth or twenty seventh. I don't remember. Okay. Okay. It's well, one of those days I arrive. Well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll I'll stay I'll stay in touch for sure. You know, if there's a Buckeye game going on, I gotta leave you hanging. I'm sorry. I can't. I no, can't I have them. no interest in watching the Buckeyes not until the playoffs. <laughs> hey, you know, know, if the weather is bad, and you got bad wind. What we'll do is we'll just go to a local bar down there, and we'll just a sports bar, and we'll just watch Ohio State, and we'll, well just I really think show where you I'm good. Stand, I'm going to have a TV, and 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 no offense, but I would much rather watch a football game sitting in a quiet place with a TV as opposed to a sports bar. I don't blame you. I my uh, my. Uh, my anxiety level when it comes to the football games is too high for me to watch it with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah, poor, my yeah, poor wife. Right. She just goes. She understands. She just goes yeah. to another room. <laughs> I get it. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. <laughs> well, yeah. David, safe travels, man. Um, you know, just I, I can't say anything else. It's been a blessing to have you on. Like I said, we're well, super it's been fortunate. a blessing, guys. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on, and I'll see you here before you know it. Sounds good. Take care of yourself, okay, sir. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. All right, everyone. That is all we have for you today. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation with David. You know, we appreciate the connections that we've made with the folks at Realtree, and we're really looking forward to meeting him in the Deer Woods this fall. As always, we appreciate all of you listening. Good luck this hunting season, and until next time, enjoy the pursuit.